Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Hi, and I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year breast cancer survivor. I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And we are the co-founders of Breast Friends. And you know what? I am so excited about our guest today. We have Beverly Vote with us. And Beverly is a cancer survivor and the creator of the Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine. And she also happens to be my Words with Friends buddy. And she kicks my butt pretty much every time we play. <laughs> so welcome, Beverly. Thanks for being here with us today. Well, thank you very much for um, having me on as your guest. I appreciate that. Well, you know, you, you talk about using words with friends to shut your brain down. And, and as we were chatting mm-hmm. before, Sharon brought up a good point because you kick my butt every time. And I'm not bad at it. You know? No, she's good. She <laughs> yeah, you're not, <laughs> you're not shutting your brain down too much, girl. <laughs> well, before, before I got online to learn that, my husband and I used to play Scrabble for years. Um, ah. And he is a very competitive Scrabble player. And so mm-hmm. when I found out I could play that online, he and I no longer play Scrabble together because I he plays on his online and I play on mine. So anyway. <laughs> you guys ever sit across the table and play each other? <laughs> you don't, you don't exactly. sit across the table from each other and play each other like across the room? I've, I've done that with people before. <laughs> It's yeah, kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so, Beverly, why don't you take a minute and, you know, share a little bit of your story with us, you know, how, what age you were when you got diagnosed and, and just kind of whatever you, it, your story is fascinating. So, let's just let you go for a few minutes here and just tell us what you need to tell us because it's awesome. When I was um, 37 years old, which would have been 25 years ago, um, early one morning I was headed to the shower and I instinctively reached out and just touched my breast. And I felt a lump about the size of a pretty, about the size of a walnut. It was very hard. And I just knew something wasn't right. And mm. this was, again, like I said, 25 years ago. Um, this was back before the internet. But yet, because there were just getting campaigns out there about early detection and, and you know, the pink uh, ribbon was just, you know, maybe five to ten years into its real existence about helping women understand that, you know, for breast checks and things like that. Well, honestly, ladies, I had really not done serious breast checks at that time in my life. I just really hadn't. But anyway, so later that day, um, I called my gynecologist, um, and he, you know, he was, you know, had been um, my doctor for 20 years, and I made an appointment immediately with him to check this out. And over the course of a year, I was misdiagnosed four times. Really? And, yeah, it was, it was um, but in the meantime... This uh, walnut-sized uh, growth 
had grown to the size of a very large, hard lemon, about the size of a large lemon. Wow. And, and after being told, you know, four times, this is nothing, this is nothing, and I even had, you know, um, a mammogram, and they just did not pay close enough attention to that mammogram. So I made appointment again because this mask was, you know, basically hanging out over my bra. And so I just assumed it's a cyst and we're going to have to do something about it. And um, my, so I went back in and um, they felt a, a different doctor felt of it. And the look on his face was quite concerning. He left the room, came back in with his nurse, and they were both crying. And I thought, oh, um, yeah, I thought. pretty telling, um, isn't I, it? It's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, let's not cry over this. This is okay. So long story short, um, I went in for a surgical biopsy, and, um, you know, my prognosis was not good. And so this, I was 38 years old. 38 and a half when I had um, a mastectomy and then followed with six months of chemo. I chose not to do radiation against the wishes of my oncologist mm-hmm. and I chose not to do tamoxifen and that was um, one of those moments in life where it was just crazy. I went and purchased the tamoxifen you know, set in my car holding, you know, the prescription is like, inside of me, it's like, I can't take this. And at that time, the prescription, were, you know, the recommendation was to take it for five years. Right. And, um, you know, that, so that was this very scary decision, and I do not recommend that lightly to any woman to go against what a doctor has recommended to her. I don't recommend can that I, at can all. Can I ask you a can I ask you a question? What what was going through your mind when you um, were holding that prescription, and it, it scared you? What was what was on your mind? Because I, I know a lot of women have a similar feeling about it. And so, what was going on in your head when you came to that conclusion? Um, I've had many of these moments in my life and this journey since diagnosis with breast cancer. I had them previous to the diagnosis, but honestly, I didn't pay as close of attention to those moments as maybe I should have, but, um, but this was, this was, I just know I set, I went, stepped outside the pharmacy, stepped into my car, and I'm sitting there in the seat of my car holding that, and just this knowing came over me, it's like, I can't take this, I can't take this product, and I honored that, and what was going through my head was, Sort of a, my analytical mind um, sort of kicked in. It's like, what do you mean you can't take this? And so there's just a little bit of a um, dialogue back back and forth of feelings about you can't take it. It's like, what do you mean you can't take it? And um, and it's like, and I set it down. I had bucket seats in the car at that time, and I set it down there in the console, and it's like. You know what? It didn't even dawn on me until this very moment. It's like I didn't even think about taking the prescription back in, you know, getting my $300 back, but whatever it was at that time. And um, But I just, I, I just put it down. It's like, okay, I'm not taking it. And so and I know that sounds very, very strange. So that's what my 
treatment decision was when I was first diagnosed. Like I said, I did the six months of chemo, and I did have um, um, a mastectomy. And a year after my um, the mastectomy, I did have reduction surgery and then reconstruction on the breast that had been removed. And so that's okay. been 24, 23 years ago since I've had wow. reconstruction. And have you had any signs of recurrence or anything since then? Well, when my, so all through the chemo treatments and every follow-up treatment, uh, every follow-up doctor appointment after the surgery and after the chemo, the um, medical team was always telling me that my cancer was high probability for returning, that it would be deadly in its return. And mm. I heard that more times than I um I mean, it, that was a conversation every single medical appointment I had, and they told me it would return. And so two years um, after I was diagnosed, I had three lumps appear in my uh, remaining breast, the one that had uh, reduction done on it. And I had three lumps, and I found the lumps. I immediately called um, my doctor, and um, that is when my life really moved into a different place. That mm. was a pivotal point in my life to get serious because when I was first diagnosed, um, you know, they, you know, this, you know, the record or the prognosis was that the cancer would return and, um, and it would be aggressive in its return. And I said, well, what can we do about it? And the comment, comments at that time were that well, hopefully, you know, they will be able to get, um, that they'll have clinical trials. But they, those clinical trials take several years to get into place. And inside I'm screaming, it's like, you're, inside I'm screaming, it's like, uh, you just told me I wasn't really around for those, you know, clinical trials. And that is when, again, it was a pivotal point in my life. It's like, I've got to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that moment, that decision happened almost for me. It's almost like there's something inside of me that um, it's like, you know, you can do something about this. And that's when I think my real journey began. Um, that's when my, not just a road to recovery, about, but that's when I got serious about learning about, you know, this potential uh, killer of, of, my, of me. And that's when I started studying mind-body concepts. And again, this was back before mm-hmm. the Internet, back before Barnes & Noble was on, you know, every corner in the retail market. And this was still yet a time when everybody I knew, with the exception of two women who had been diagnosed with cancer, had died. And those yeah. two women came to me after I was diagnosed, and they reached out to me. And they, excuse me, there were three women. And I dedicate my work to them because they gave me hope. Yeah. You know, I just got goosebumps all up and down my arm as you were sharing that. And, you know, and I guess for those who might be listening to us right now who are just starting down their journey, the really good news about all of this is, you know, you went through it a long time ago. Sharon went through her battle a long time ago. My first one was 20 years ago. And things have changed so much since that, you know, since then. And, you know, we still lose too many. We've lost 
women this year, and every time we lose mm-hmm. one, it's it's heartbreaking. But mm-hmm. but the good news is more women are surviving now of this disease than ever before, and you know that's that's the good news, and that you know, and it's because of some of the great work that people are doing that are giving hope, and I think. Hope is so important, and you know we're going to get to your magazine here in a minute because I think your magazine's part of that. Um, that's giving people hope for sure. But, but can I ask you what was the most challenging part of your breast cancer journey before before we get there? What was the most challenging oh, thing? I um, I had so many. I went through um, from. You know, besides facing my mortality, um, I worried about how, well, my first instinct was, my biggest concern was my children and my husband. And, um, I mean, just rolled on because I lived in fear a long time. I lived in what I call the dark night of soul for about eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. Even survivor's guilt. And, um, you know... One of those hard moments for me, though, was when I had to have a reduction on my healthy breast. In order for me to have reconstruction, they, you know, I couldn't, um, you know, I wasn't going to have an upset, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it really right. bothered me that I had to give up a healthy part of my breast to breast cancer. And I actually had an attitude with that for about three weeks. And I was um, 39 at the time. And I very much felt differently about my breasts than I do today at age 62. But they were very much a part of my identity at um, 39 years of age. And so I went, that was hard for me to go through, through that. And it took me about two or three years to make peace and to connect with, you know, my new image. And I'm, it's, I'm it's amazing how long so it takes. Well, but it does, right. you know, and it does mm-hmm. take a long time. And, you know, everybody's different, but it is amazing to me how long it, it can take to, you know, come to that realization. I know I went through a similar thing. I had a lumpectomy, and then when my cancer came back, I had a double mastectomy. And then, and there, you know, I've made jokes about this. In fact, I did stand-up comedy in L.A. about two weeks ago, and I talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. there comes a point where you can finally, at some point, hopefully, you know, find the humor in all of it. But it, it's tough. So, you know, we're going to... Um, when you're in it, it is tough. But I didn't have any yeah. very many people to talk with. Yeah. Yeah, and back then, they were, it was a lot more private than it is now. And, and now, you know, it's mm-hmm. almost like we we have opportunities now to celebrate together, you know, this. And it's not, doesn't make it a fun disease and nobody wants to join the club by any sense. But but because we're so much more open about it and talking about it, there is a sisterhood now that, that's always mm-hmm. been there, but we just didn't know where they were. And now we kind of do because people are bonding together. So it's it's pretty cool. So um, mm-hmm. before we get to the magazine, I want, I want to ask you one question because I saw something about you that you were named in 2007 the YoPlay champion. What is that? <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. What is that? Back in 2000 and whatever year that was, 2008, uh, YoPlay Yogurt was recognizing 25 uh, breast cancer survivors across the country who were making a difference. And they had that campaign for many, many years about save lids and, and things like that. And so I was nominated and I was um, selected with, you know, 24 other recipients across the country. And 
um, and it was, you know, for the, you know, the work that we do. So it was, it was interesting back then. That was, you know, and honestly, you know, I've received a lot of awards, and I, the magazines received some awards, but honestly, I'm not, back before I had the magazine, back when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I owned an insurance agency. And I had awards at the kazoo. Uh, my wall was covered with walnuts. And um, that was who I thought I was. And so after receiving some of these awards for the magazine and things like that, I made a conscious choice that my work is not going to be about me being received awards. And that's when I started the annual BCW annual awards to recognize leaders and drivers and caregivers and nonprofits um, and the people across the country who are making um, a difference. And so that nomination process is still open to the annual BCW awards through the 15th of this month. And I believe there's 12 different categories. Um, and so I want... I want the not just the leaders, but the women that are, um, you know, I want to recognize those that make a difference. Good for you. Uh, well, Beverly, we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about your magazine on the other side of the break, and we were kind of hoping to get to it right now, but there's just been so much exciting stuff to hear about from you. So uh, we do need to take a break, um, and okay. again, we'll pick that up on the other side. But before we go out to break, we have spent a lot of time you know, on the show talking about the benefits of palliative care and how important it is as part of the patient's total care package. And did you know that Regents Health Plans offers the most comprehensive palliative care benefits, providing an added layer of support when you and your family need it most? So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Beverly Boat, creator of Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine. And, you know, Beverly, the thing is that that I really took from this first segment was how we find ourselves connected to things like our breasts, right? Our identity is connected so much to the size of our breasts and how they look and how we look in clothes and or our jobs or even you mentioned the the awards that you've gotten in the past. And I think that's kind of a fascinating topic all of it all in its own, but I really wanted to make sure people heard that piece of it because that really spoke loud and clear to me. Now, explain to me about what spoke loud and clear to you. The 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 uh, fact that you're you many of us are tied to our breasts or an image or mm. our jobs or awards things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting what we uh, place our identity in and what has value for us and what can be a trap that leads us down. You know. A an unhappy path, and um, but but also the image of ourselves changes through you know through our life and who who we are. Uh, we grow, and through breast cancer, it it really changed my identity. It helped me change my identity because when I was diagnosed, I was very much um, married to the American dream. I am mm-hmm. still married. Well, I need to correct. I need to clear that up. I've been married forty-five years to the same great guy. Our anniversary is next <laughs> month. But what I mean by what I mean by married is I thought living the American dream and having the two point two kids and um, and all the accolades of home and cars and things like that was what happiness was. I bought into that, and I really thought that's what my life was about. And breast cancer put me on a different trajectory. There's no doubt about that. I'm a different person than I was, you know, 38 years ago. And I am grateful for my life every single day. And that whole process of turning that image about who I thought I was and learning to be an advocate for myself, um, it was a hard um, channel to change because everybody I hung with believed in the same thing. Yeah, and exactly. then, you, you know, I'd meet all these breast cancer survivors across the country, and they helped me understand what's really important by watching them, by connecting with them, by learning what real strength is, watching them connect with strength, watching them uh, learning to make their life better, not falling, falling into a place of being bitter. I mean... Just being around them has lifted me. And so creating the magazine has been a phenomenal gift for me. And here's the odd thing about that, girls. When I started the magazine, I thought I was starting it to help others for all what I had learned 
you know, through that, my own journey of the dark night of the soul about, you know, mind, body, and um, reaching out to others, asking for help, and, you know, all of the above. And, um, but the magazine has brought me such an incredible, deeper connection with God, my life's purpose, why I'm here, how I help others, and how I help others to understand they're here for a reason, too, and that a diagnosis of breast cancer is a wake-up call. It's so a wake-up call love, to change our lives. Yeah, exactly. And so, and the and the stories in your magazine reflect exactly what you're saying. And I really applaud you for that. So I know Breast Friends was was able to be in one of your um, issues a few years ago, and I I've noticed that 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 message comes out loud and clear. So who does your okay. your um your magazine reach? Um, it. It goes directly to breast cancer survivors, those that, those that subscribe to the magazine, and then it goes to thousands and thousands of um, support groups, nonprofits, mastectomy centers, cancer centers, um, reconstructive surgeons, oncology nurses, libraries. I, I mean, oh gosh, it, the list is endless. And yeah. so it goes directly to the breast cancer community across the country. Now, then, it is not, even though we offer two ways to have the magazine, you can either have it digital, and all of our magazine issues in the past are online digitally, and that that is absolutely free. To have it delivered to your door, it is an annual subscription. But um, But it's not a magazine... Stand. You're not going to find it at the grocery store standing in line. Right. And, right, right, right. you know, less than 10% of all magazines are at, you know, um, you know the, on the stands anyway. So it's, that's, that's the distribution of the magazine. And so it reaches all across the country. That's I wonderful. know every time I go to my to an oncology appointment, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I always see copies of it on a coffee table, you know, inside their mm-hmm. office. So you've done I, a great I job hear, getting the word out. I hear this all the time. But, you know, when we first started the magazine, we, um, my small team and I always refer back to this story about, you know, when we first started the distribution of the magazine, about the magazine, we learned to accept that it would it, it would get out there. But mm-hmm. one of the first stories, we were not just a few months into um, putting the magazine out, and a lady called me to let me know she had just been diagnosed and found the magazine in a tire shop. Oh, wow. Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love we that. Have yeah. never, we wow. have never forgotten that. And, and since oh. that time, we hear stories all the time. But that one, uh, it's like, well, I would have never thought that a tire shop would carry a magazine. But, um, <laughs> you know, so anyway, so that's been one of the, we refer back to that all the time. Um, you know, as far as accepting that our magazine's out there, it makes a difference. And, and you know, that's, you know, it's our joke among ourselves is that the magazine has a magic wand over it. And <laughs> we're led all the time for things that we need to do to the magazine or led to who's supposed to be in the magazine. Uh, we've had some crazy stories through the years about, you know, certain articles are supposed to go in the magazine. And when you have a magazine, you've got a printer set up with staff ready to go. 
and they know it's supposed to be there at 10 o'clock, you know, Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, and if it's not there, that labor is not working. And so when it's deadline time, it's deadline time. And there's been times in the last few years where articles didn't come in. They were promised, but they didn't come in on time. We're sitting there looking at blank pages. And out of the blue, out of the blue, here comes the perfect article. Oh, great. Oh, I love it when that happens. Yeah. It's crazy. I I love it, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand you've won several, several awards for your magazine. Why don't you tell the, tell us about those, too? Um, Well, when we have won the Don Ranley Award two years in a row uh, for best issue and um, the articles that I wrote on... um, the Susan G. Komen president, Hila Malamog, and she, I met her in New York City about six or eight years ago, and I asked her if I could, you know, if she'd be interested in sharing her story with the readers of the magazine. And she goes, my story's not important. And I learned something very valuable in that. Um, they were, so her story, wrote her story, and it won awards, and I've won some uh, magazine publishers association awards, and and as I said at the you know, top of the hour, I don't seek these awards anymore. I did it in the beginning with the Publishers Awards because now I want to put the limelight on on others and their journeys and their, the, the differences they, that they make. Um, so, so that's what I try to do in that regard. But um, so the um, the the. But Halo Malamov, the CEO and president of Coleman at the time, taught me a very valuable lesson. And that is every woman has a story and every woman's story is important. And Absolutely. every woman's story needs to be heard. Yeah. And I, I interviewed a woman two or three years ago. She was a breast surgeon. Um, and Dr. Curcio had been diagnosed with breast cancer eight years previous to her being the cover girl of the magazine. And she was a little bit hesitant in sharing her story in the magazine. And in interviewing her for the article, it was the first time she talked about her story, even though she'd been a breast surgeon for, you know, eight years since her diagnosis and prior to that. And when she started talking about it, I started noticing that's when her healing journey began. She kept that to herself for so long because she really didn't feel a safe place to really talk about it. It was very fascinating. Yeah, that's a very, um, very true thing. I I remember going through my cancer again 23 years ago, and like you, you know, there weren't nearly the resources out there, and so you just kind of had to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move on, get back to work. You know, the kids need need dinner, uh, you know, and move on. And so uh-huh. when my doctor actually reached out to me, my plastic surgeon, and asked me if I would talk to a couple of women, um, I met with them. And it's amazing. I do believe that's when my healing started as well, is, is being uh-huh. able to share your story and then being able to help them. And, you know, so it, it became quite natural for me to, talk to women going through this right from the beginning right from you know about oh I don't know six months 
after I went through my reconstruction surgery. So, I know Sharon was definitely there for me when I, because I was diagnosed three years after Sharon was, and she was the first in our circle to go through this. And, you know, when she went through it, most of us, none of us really knew what to do. But when I went through it three years later, she was right there for me. And I know that in that process of helping me, I know that you were, that you were helped as well, because I know we've talked about that. And we hear it, we hear that over and over again. We've worked with thousands of patients over the last 16 years since we started Breast Friends, and we hear that all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like anything in life. You know, the more you give, the more you get. So if you're giving support, you're going to feel it coming back at you in some way. So that's really beautiful. Well, Beverly, you've done some other things, too, besides um, your magazine. You are quite a prolific writer. You've written other books or done some things. Um, one of your books is How We Became Breast Cancer Thrivers. And I, I have to tell you, I was so happy when you reached out to Sharon and me and asked us both to send stories for that. So we do have stories in that book and we're very uh-huh. pleased about that. But tell us tell us how you kind of came up with those ideas to, you know, create these other things that you're doing. Um again, the power of sharing our stories is is it was a it made a difference in my own life. And so when some of these other, you know, I've been a contributor writer for the Chicken Soup for the Breast Cancer Survivor Soul and, you know, two or three, maybe even four or five other books, and when they reach out to me, I share with them. Because if my story can make a difference, um, you know, I'm going to share it. And there's so many pieces in the, in the breast cancer journey that depending where you are in the journey, um, you need to hear something you know, from somebody else. When you're first diagnosed, the first thing you want to do is, is to look at a real survivor who's been there, done that, and to see that she's a living, breathing, still getting on with her life. Mm-hmm. And um, and then when you're, you know, a few years further out from diagnosis, then there's other experiences to share. So, so that, again, the power of sharing our stories. So that I just think keeping... That information out there, uh, whether it's in books and the magazines or blogging and all of that, um, even on Facebook and all the above, is just great therapy for others. And I find the more that I write, the more that I heal. Yeah. Um, you know what I what I love about when you wrote that, when you put that book together and you invited people to share their stories, I loved the instructions that you gave. Now I'm going to paraphrase this probably badly, but but the point was when you asked for stories, it wasn't you just didn't want a chronological order of of events. What you wanted was for people to share how <laughs> how what was wow. the turning point where they went from being a survivor to a thriver what what was that thing that turned your journey around and you know and to share that so it was more than just a chronological order of events and i and i love that because it really it really caused us to think very deeply about all of that and all the stories in there are are like that so it's it was really well done and i we just so appreciated having a chance to be part of that with you and it was it was pretty pretty cool so i i loved that and i so wanted to share that so tell us about your therapeutic coloring book for breast cancer survivors because that sounds pretty cool oh gosh um not for sure how i got roped into it but um <laughs> <laughs> actually i had i'm at deadline on that I've, um next friday i have to have it finished as far as the outline of it it's 
scheduled to come out next October. And basically, the publisher of the original publisher of Chicken Soup for the Breast Cancer Survivor Soul is who will be publishing this book for me, the coloring book. Um, and you know, coloring is great therapy. Not all of us like to write. Not all of us are freelance um, artists. But yet, when we express ourselves in art therapy, it's healing. And it we can move out of right brain and uh, critical thinking, and we can move into a different um, space. And so, so are you an artist, more, too? Do you, do you draw that? Oh do you gosh, create no. the images? No. <laughs> and, you will never hear, and you will never hear me sing. Those are not my gifts. Uh, <laughs> my job is to appreciate it. That's what. Uh, but, uh. <laughs> so, we hi- so we've hired an illustrator. So okay. um, I will be providing the content, but the um, because, like I said, it'll be th- it'll be therapeutic. And the purpose of the coloring book, though, like I said, is to help shift women from that critical, fearful part of our uh, mind into a deeper part of ourselves, where we mm-hmm. can relax and connect with something different than the energy of breast cancer. So that's the purpose of the um, coloring book, and we're actually working on having a national tour with that book um, from San Diego all the way to Virginia next year. So, Well, I hope it brings you through Portland. That would be cool. We'd love to meet you in person. So Uh listen, we have to go out. We have to go out to another break. And um, I do have one question I want you to think about when we come back on the other side. And that is, what is the most insightful book about breast cancer you've ever read? So think about that. We'll pick it up on the other side of the break. So we do want to encourage you, please stay with us. And if you have any questions for Beverly, this is your one chance to speak to a magazine publisher and actually do it. And she's really nice. So call us. The number is 866-472-5792 and we'll see you on the other side of the break step into a healthier you voice america health and wellness thank you for listening today breast friends needs your support we rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Talking with Beverly Boat, creator of the Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine. So before the break, Beverly, uh, uh, Becky asked you kind of a provocative question. What's the most insightful book about breast cancer that you've read? Well, the most profound book about breast cancer that I've ever read really was not about breast cancer. Okay. Um, it really, it, uh, not directly. But a friend of mine was doing a, a study for her Ph.D. about money and the energy of money and how people relate to money and things like that. So she mm-hmm. had found a particular book and sent me an email and said, you should really read this book. And so I um, got the book and um, started reading it. And the book was about money. And the name of the book was The Millionaire's Mindset by T. Harv Eker. So I'm two chapters reading, I'm into the chapter, into the book, a couple chapters, thinking that I'm going to learn something about money to help myself and, you know, perhaps to help my friend with her study. And I was absolutely blown away. I could not get past the first two chapters, because when I get a book, I love to devour them. But um, I was so engrossed in what I was learning. And the uh, thing to claim for this author of this book was that he could um, predict a person's financial future within 10 or 15 minutes of meeting a perfect stranger. Really? And because, mm-hmm, because people say their beliefs about money. When you ask somebody what they do, you know, it's like, oh, when my ship comes in, and, you know, uh-huh. and so within two chapters of that book, I knew that book was speaking to me on a different level that sort of had something to do with um, money, but it also had to do with self-image, self-worth, self-esteem, and how we connect with the abundances and grace of life, even though that's not exactly what his book was saying, but yet it was. It was was saying it to you, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly, and he had no idea, and so... You know, the author's book did not know he was writing that to me for another specific reason. So I start paying attention to when people start telling their stories. And, you know, so when you ask, you know, when I, you know, I meet women all across the country, and I am started learning which stage of the journey they're in by listening to them five or ten minutes into their conversation. And you start seeing where their limiting beliefs are and when they have despair or when they believe that they can be an advocate for themselves, that they can speak up for their doctor, or then you meet those that, you know, think they don't have the right to say, you're not the right doctor for me. Right, Um, right. And and so in learning that from that book, it has shifted everything about myself. I started reading the book... um, The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Powerful, powerful book. It has to do, again, with the mind-body connection. 
I love Joel Austin's book uh, called I Declare. I think that book came out a couple years ago. It's a short read. But it's about what we say over our body, what and how our um, beliefs affect everything in our life. And then I've read other books, you know, through the last 20 years about how our fears can either control our life or our faith can steer our life. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, that's great. and so that book about the millionaire mindset, I start paying attention to, well, what's my mindset about what's best for me and my healing needs? You know, I have and to tell like, you well, just a quick little thing. I, I, Beverly, I fired a doctor over a piece of Kleenex once, and um, I'm still not a millionaire, but if I hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> You're working at it. Ladies, but ladies, it's really not about being a millionaire. It's about having an enriched life. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. And you know what? Breast cancer has taught us that. Yep. You bet. It really has. And it's and mm-hmm. and we appreciate each day that much more because mm-hmm. we have had an experience like a, a looking at your mortality from a breast yeah. cancer mm-hmm. perspective. So mm-hmm. and uh, I want to shift gears so we have a chance to talk about this. I heard you had a profound dream about breast cancer. Are you willing to oh. share that with our audience? Yes. On August the 8th, 2008. So this is 080808. Oh, boy. Um, yes, exactly. Um, so I, I have a lot of interesting dreams through my life, but this one was by far the most profound in how it relates to breast cancer. In the dream, I was being shown that our world does not have a vision for living without breast cancer. Mm-hmm. It was show, showing me that if, quote, unquote, the cure showed up, that we would not accept it. It showed me that we don't even know what the, quote, what the cure looks like and how we define it in our own terms, not only in the medical environment, but in our own acceptance of belief of what, you know, the end of breast cancer is to look like, and we don't even believe it's possible. And if we did believe in it, that it was possible, we would be preparing. We would be having an exit strategy. The dream was showing me that if we had the cure, that without an exit strategy, the medical community would falter seriously. Yeah, and that's that, true. Um, <laughs> and that the nurse and that nurses would be affected. They would lose all. So now remember, ladies, this was before October 2008 when we had the real estate fallout. True. This happened two months before then, and it, the dream was showing me if breast cancer was taken out of the medical financial equation, the medical world would suffer financially. And for yeah. us as a consciousness in the world to prepare, prepare a vision for ourselves and the world that it's possible Interesting. Well, I, I need to think about that. It, <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to kind of chew own, on that in one our for own a bit. Lives, yeah. If we don't have a vision for our own health, yeah, we true. fall into the energy of breast cancer. We stay stuck yeah. in that energy of breast cancer, and that is what how the power of the sisterhood is so deep. Is that when a woman steps forth and claims her life as declares over her life that she is a thriver, 
and moves forward in her life in spite of breast cancer, in spite of all the challenges that we have to go through. You know, um, you know, there are dark, there are a lot of dark moments, but you know, on the other side, the darkness is light. Just like every morning, the sun comes up after we've had, you know, the dark night. Um, you know, that is where the shift in life happens. So that dream has, I had already written a life purpose statement for myself prior to that um, dream, but I did not know that I was, that the dream was aligning with that. But after going through that eight years of Dark Night of the Soul, I had um, chased all kinds of workshops around the world or across, across the country, I should say. Um, but what's my purpose of life? Why did I survive and others didn't? And I have, yeah, you know, some exactly. survivor's guilt issues to deal with. So I wrote myself a life purpose statement, and this was after going to a life purpose, several life purpose workshops. It was basically the purpose of my life is to help change the culture and the consciousness about uh, breast cancer and to remind women that um, they are not helpless or hopeless and that they are not alone. So well, you're, that, so, you're um, sure doing so that. True. You are doing that, and you are a very impressive woman. So I'm going to switch gears for a minute so we don't run out of time on this, but I want to ask you about the Thrivers Cruise because we've been seeing that in your magazine and published here and there, and I get notices about it, and I've just it's mm-hmm. never worked time-wise for me to go. But um, tell mm-hmm. us about the Thrivers Cruise because when you talk about a sisterhood, I have a feeling that's a big, big part of it. We have women that come year in and year out. Some years they can't come because of, you know, personal reasons, sometimes financial, but um, they'll come back every other year. But we have some women that come absolutely every year. But they make life friends on that cruise, as, as you ladies know yourself, how valuable that is. And what is so profound about that cruise is every year I see women walk on that cruise with their heads down. And I see oh, yeah. them walking off that cruise, a different woman, because they connected with that energy of thriving. Oh, and I, I watch it. it every single year. And it is such a powerful energy of when women come together and celebrate each other and themselves. It is just, it's, it is so sweet. And, so um, t- and the, tell you know, us about, like, where does it like leave? And would... She really gives a signal to her body. I just think it's so mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, it is. So where does this cruise depart from? Is there, are they usually East Coast, or do you have them in different places? Most, we, we've had uh, two Alaskan cruises and one out of L.A. to um, um, down the western coast of Mexico. Okay. And then, but most of our women love the Caribbean. That, mm-hmm. That's our highest demand is to sail out of the Caribbean. They love the Caribbean. This year we're sailing out of Miami, um, okay. and it's one of our shortest sailings we've ever had, but um, it's a four-night. It's to Key West and Cozumel, and it's on the Carnival, and we chose Carnival not only for the time of the year that it is in, Octo- um, in April, but um, it's also a little bit less of expensive sailings than some of the others. A lot of our women love carnivals. A lot of our women don't like carnivals. I want a clean ship. I want a clean ship. It's the only one I've ever been on is carnival. I've only gone once. Oh, is it? Okay. I love them all. I've never been on a bad cruise in my life. Um, <laughs> but I, go, I don't go for the port. I go for the time with the women. 
So, right. um, you know, so but so this year we're going to Key West and we're going to um, um, Cozumel, and we sail on the 24th and we're back on the 28th. I don't okay. have the cost in front of me, but it's somewhere with port taxes and all that, something around five hundred dollars. Um, per person, something like that for an inside cabin. And, okay. um, and every year we have a, a different theme, but it's always about celebration at the end of the uh, cruise. You know, we have workshops on the cruise and then we go to different ports and we, you know, go to all the enter- entertainment on the cruise and then we always end it with the pink celebration party. Nice. And it is, it's, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Oh, Sounds great. Beverly, we're, we're down to the last two minutes of the show, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to run out of time without having you tell us if somebody wanted to sign up for the cruise or they wanted to subscribe to your magazine, how do they do that? You can give us a website addresses real quick. That'd be great. It's simple. But Facebook and websites, you know, basically the same. But breastcancerwellness.org, and that'll give you all the information about the cruise and the breast cancer awards and Um, the cruise scholar, uh, we also do a cruise contest. The cruise contest is still open to, that we'll give away a cruise in January. Um, mm -hmm. and so that's still open. Mm -hmm. And then all copies of the magazine, breastcancerwellness.org and then Facebook, Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine is our Facebook page. All right. Well, Beverly, we are out of time. I'm so sad to end this because you've been an amazing guest and just such great information. So thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, you have the, the email, um, or excuse me, the web addresses. So uh, again, Beverly, thanks for joining us today and being part of what we're doing here. And you are just such an inspiration. So, you know, we will be back next week. Um, and In the meantime, just remember that until then, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. Thank you.